Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you want more than just an interview or unique conversation, when you just want to listen, arrow.net, A-R-R-O-E, Net. All right, let's do it. Let's play it forward. A look at the unexpected changes endured by the entertainers, writers, directors, camera people, and all others affected but not infected by the global invasion of the coronavirus. These are real people, real stories, the struggle to play it forward. Episode number 251 with film director Kevin McDonald. Good morning. How are you doing? Fantastic. Dude, what a movie you have you have released unto the world. This is history that I had no clue even existed, but now I all I want to do is research it. Well, that's great. That's the that's the aim of a true story in a movie, isn't it? You want people to come out of the theater, if such a thing existed at the moment, but if they come out of the theater and uh, get onto Wikipedia. It, it sure opens up the eyes and the heart to, to things that have all been, you know, we've, we've known about Guantanamo, but, but we don't know what's going on inside. And who are these people? But we've had to read our own propaganda. Yeah, I mean, look, the aim of making this film more than anything else was to humanize one single prisoner. And Mohamedou, who had written this amazing book, which was called Guantanamo Diary, um, he seemed like the perfect person. In fact, that was what made me want to make the film. As I spoke to him on Skype, we spent a couple of hours talking, and I thought, what an incredible, lovely, warm character. And this is the person that we want to learn about Guantanamo through his eyes. The way that you brought every character together, how what did you see before the pictures were even being made? Because, I mean, you must have had some sort of inner vision and then and then you have to believe in that to release it. Well, you know, this was a very, very complex story to tell because we're, 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 we have three different perspectives. We have Jodie Foster's characters, character, um, Nancy Hollander, who is a, 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 a human rights lawyer. Um, and then we have Benedict Cumberbatch's character, who's Colonel Stuart Couch, who's uh, a U.S. military lawyer, who was the prosecuting uh, lawyer in this in this instance. And then we have Mohamedou Slahi, who is the prisoner. So we're always bouncing between these different perspectives. And I think um, uh, that is tough just in terms of structure, you know, but you are getting every point of view. And I think that's interesting to see this kind of mosaic perspective on something as complex as this. You know, at, at times, you know, I, I had to keep reminding myself that, wait a second, th- this is not a reenacted documentary. This is a real honest to God story that that is a story. This isn't a, a journalist that's out there. You are physically sharing with us a story. Yeah, I mean, this was this is this is uh, as close to a uh, a, a true story as you can get in a movie. Obviously, any any story of this complexity, you try to tell it in a movie of two hours, you're going to simplify, you're going to condense. Those are things uh, you know inevitably happen. But a lot of the dialogue, even in this in the in the film, comes directly either from Muhammadu's book or it comes from uh, uh, interviews that Stuart Couch gave uh, or Nancy Hollander gave. And so, um, if you rootle around on the internet a bit, you can find the whole streams of the dialogue are actually out there in in, uh, in uh, newspaper interviews, etc. Did you get the opportunity to talk to him as that writer in the way that you know what it's like to be creative? I mean, it's all stuffed up inside, but when when you begin to put it down on paper, your life changes because you know that your words are going to go out and affect a different person. Did you get to be on that level with him with that as a writer? 
Uh, I don't, I'm not sure I quite know what you mean. What, with Mohamedou? Yeah, it's, it's like when I sit down, I'm blessed with the opportunity to talk with the musicians. When they tell their story, it frees up their imagination to create more. To, you know, the, he, it's, it's almost like, okay, I've, I've released the weight from my soul. I can get on with my life now. I think, yeah, I think there's an extent to which Mohamedou writing the book and then working with me on the screenplay, it's a cathartic thing. You know, he's he's a man who suffers from PTSD, as you can imagine. You know, once you've seen this movie, you understand why he suffers from PTSD. But I think talking about it, having people around the world be interested in him and interested in his story, not being forgotten, which I think a lot of the inmates at Guantanamo just were released and have been forgotten and are, you know, they're not able to find jobs, they're not able to travel. But he is able to connect because he's such a uh, a, a, a warm and likable person. He's been able to connect with people around the world. He's got a big social media presence. Although he's stuck in Mauritania, which is where he's from, which is in the west coast of Africa, um, he's stuck there. He can't travel because uh, he's still on all sorts of no-fly lists for the U.S. government. Um, uh, he, he is able to sort of lead this international life by talking about his story, and I think that does does release him in some way. You, you talk about Mauritania. That's a part of the world that I'll bet you the average American does not know about until they watch this movie. Because it, I, I did not know it was as dangerous. I was in there doing research and trying to figure out. It's like the poverty and the people that, that, that continue to try to have a life there. But then they, they all, you know, they group up. They, they create tribes and things like that. Well, Mauritania is one of the least known countries in the whole world. I don't think it's just Americans who haven't heard of it. Certainly here in Britain, a lot of people haven't heard of it either. Um, uh, but it's, um, you know, it's a big country. I think it's something like the seventh biggest country in Africa. It's, um, it's half, half the Sahara Desert, pretty much. You know, it's, it's a, and then it's got a coast just below Morocco, west coast of Africa. It's got a long coast. If you're into kite surfing, that's the place to go to. Wow. Apparently it's the best kite surfing in the world. You've got 300 mile beach with uh, white sand and nobody on it and the constant breeze off the ocean. Uh, it's actually a kind of, you know, it was a, it, until very recently, it was a totally nomadic country. It was Bedouin Arabs who had camels and they moved around depending on, depending on what grazing they could get, you know, on the edges of the desert. And um, uh, and it's but it's a country which is incredibly cut off from the rest of the world. Yep. You go there and you feel, wow, this the the influence of you know America or Europe whatever, has not really reached here at all. And that's in itself fascinating and part of what I love about making films that it takes you to places like that. When you first met Tahar, did you know in your heart that that was that was your guy? That was the dude that was going to be playing this this major part of movie history. Well, I knew Tahar already because we had done a movie together 10 years ago called The Eagle, a Channing Tatum Roman epic, maybe not epic, you know, Roman drama film, uh, which I made in Scotland uh, in 2009 or 10. And uh, Tahar came over from France. He just done. He just appeared in this amazing French movie, which I recommend everyone watch. If they haven't seen it called The Prophet, uh, which is a kind of gangster movie set in a French prison. So he's got form with prisons. Um, and uh, I saw that movie and I thought, wow, I want this guy in my in my current film. So I persuaded him to come to Scotland. He plays a, a Gaelic chief <laughs> who doesn't speak any English and he speaks Gaelic. And he learned his lines, which were in this you know, the ancient language of Scotland. He learned them uh, uh, phonetically. And uh, so we, but we became friends doing, you know, during the making of that. And and so I saw him every night again when I went to Paris or if he came to London, we have lunch. Wherever. And then uh, when I met Mohamedou and got interested in making this film, making the Mauritanian, I thought instantly the only person who can do this is Tahar Rahim because 
His English had got fantastically good. He's been done a couple of TV shows, including The Looming Tower, where he plays uh, a, a, an American Lebanese guy. And um, and also, you know, he has some of the same character qualities that Muhammadu has. He's he's warm. He's super intelligent. He's just, you know, very likable, very funny. And uh, I thought that's the only person who can who can play him. So that was three years before we actually got to make it, though, mind you. It took a long time to get the money together for this one. It, it, don't you don't you love that that fight and that struggle though in the beginning? Because what what everybody always says that it takes a miracle to even make a movie. But but then now that you've got a movie that's already out there for us to have, I mean that miracle exists right now. Well, it is it is true that it's a miracle every time any movie gets finished. I remember Jodie Foster when uh, 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 when I finished the movie and um, I said to her, do you want to watch it? And she said, yeah, no, I want to watch it. I want to watch it on the big screen. But she said, yeah, congratulations, you've made a movie. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. That's the, that's the feat. Because, you know, it gets harder and harder every year goes by. You know, there's less and less money for movies, particularly movies that are, you know, more intelligent. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge deal. And obviously that's, that's partly why we have this incredible cast in this movie. You know, with Shailene Woodley and Benedict and... Um, uh, and obviously Jody, um, that because you need a number of big stars just to get the money together to make a film like this. Right, right. Now, working with Jody, I mean, with her directing and things like that, but, but she came onto this project, though, wanting to be an actress only, right? Absolutely. I, I approached her thinking, well, Jody Foster is a legend. She's never going to want to do this. She doesn't really act anymore. Um, but she's the perfect person for it because she's got that you know, tough, no nonsense exterior, which hides a, you know, vulnerability, a brokenness within her. And that, which has been, you know, the character, I guess, in all of her great performances, um, uh, I thought that's what I want for this. And to my amazement, she read the script. She said, she said, I love the title, the Mauritanian. I thought, what the hell is that? Uh, That was always what I said to the the distributors when they said, you can't call it the Mauritanian. Nobody knows what that is. And I said, well, you know, Jody loved it. Um, So um, so, so we, 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 um, we worked on the character a little bit. She always wanted to make the character a little meaner, a little tougher, a little more no nonsense. She wants to get rid of all the kind of personal life that this character has. It's like her, Jody's taken it was, I'm a lawyer who's, Who's who's fighting day and night to get people out of prison, and that's all that's important about me as a, as, as a character in this movie. So um, that was kind of liberating in a way that you don't you feel like oh I don't have to know about her children I don't have to know about her backstory when she you know she got you know bitten by a crocodile when she was five years old or whatever the backstory is. So it's yeah it was it was it was. Really collaborative process with Jody. Really, she was, you know, involved very, very uh, deeply in making that character sing, but also, um, you know, in just being very supportive to getting the movie made. You know, she bent over backwards to make it happen. Wow, see, that's that's the collaboration and the camaraderie that that the, why why movies continue to be made even after the, the the COVID. Because I mean, it's so amazing what you guys have gone through and what you're moving through right now to bring us entertainment. I I, I don't know how you do it, Kevin. Well, it's a privilege to do it as well. You know, it's this the, in life. It's really nice to have um, shared goals with a bunch of other people, um, and that's you know, with, with making movies, it's all about shared goals and shared dreams. And you, you um, all have this vision. We want to make a great movie, and we're going to get together, and we're going to work 
as hard as you can imagine to get that done. And there's something so satisfying about that. So that's why people do it. People like me do it. People like Jody do it. Um, you know, obviously we want audiences to like it. We want it to be seen widely, but, but there's also just the satisfaction of, you know, working really hard on something you believe in and, uh, and getting a joy out of that. Creating with Benedict. This is a man that we all know and have seen in many, many movies, but you know, during your movie, never once did I think of his past. I only thought of this man that is in this movie and about what he was bringing to his character. I mean, that, to do that to where our imaginations aren't going someplace else while we see this character. Yeah, I mean, that is obviously a thing with, with any, you know, big name actor who's been in a lot of uh, iconic parts is that you bring, you as an audience member, you bring all those other parts with you in your imagination. So um, sometimes that can be helpful. So with Jody, people are thinking of Clarice Starling mm-hmm. um, from Silence of the Lambs, and that's actually a helpful comparison and, and one of the things we slightly play with in the film. Um, but with Benedict, obviously you don't want an audience thinking of Dr. Strange when he's playing a, right. a, Repu- a Republican uh, a military lawyer. Um, so yeah, I mean, Benedict was one of the decisions he took early on was, I want to do this character in his correct South Carolina accent. And so he he went to see the real guy, they hung out, he got a dialect coach. And I kept saying to him, why don't you just do a generic American? He's like, no, 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 it has to be specific because that's what will make people feel this person is alive. He's not just a, he's not just, you know, a few lines written on a page, he's, he, he lives. So um, yeah, Benedict worked really hard to, 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 to achieve that. And um, I think pulls it off beautifully. I mean, here in, here in Britain, nobody knows what that accent is, but I think in America, <laughs> People can see that it's uh, that it's really authentic. Uh, Kevin, I'm in the Carolinas, and and one of the things that we we cringe most is when we hear somebody doing a fake Southern accent. You nailed that accent in this movie, and when I That's hear a Southern good. accent, I mean, I it, it and it, he does it so well. Yeah, well, he's a you know he's a talented guy. What can I say? He's 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 brilliant, and he's also, of course, we should say he's a producer on this show. He is really the reason that we all did it because he. He actually um, uh, helped to publicize Muhammadu's book when it originally came oh, out. He God. was asked by the publisher to do a reading from the book, which appeared in the Guardian newspaper here in London. And uh, in doing that, uh, he read the book and he thought, wow, what an incredible story. And he, his, his company got together with another producer and they uh, bought the rights to it. So, yeah, so Benedict was, you know, really front and center and getting this getting this story told well i can't imagine being held up for six years in a prison without a single charge during covid i couldn't get through a year being trapped inside this house what does it do to the human mind and how does how does this guy heal after six years of this well you know it's more than six years it's it's uh, uh, uh it's 14 and a half years in Jeez. total uh, he, he does six years uh, or seven years and then he's told you know you're gonna you're gonna have a, a, a trial right. and uh, to see whether or not you know any the, the government have enough evidence to hold you so he's been held for seven years without trial and uh, then he goes to this this hearing it's not really like a proper criminal trial but he goes to this hearing a habeas hearing and uh, the judge who's a very conservative judge uh finds for him and says he should be released but this is the twist in the movie which i shouldn't really be giving away but then uh, <laughs> actually the um the obama administration which had just come in decided that they weren't going to release him and they held him for a further seven years 
so even after he'd been through a legal process, eventually, after seven years, he was held for a further seven years without trial. And he was finally only released 2016. So this guy, you know, he was imprisoned in Guantanamo, first of all, in 2002, and he get, gets out in 2016. It's one of the last, he's one of the last people to get out before President Trump came into office. Wow. Wow. I can't thank you enough for this movie. I can't thank you enough for all the creativity that you bring forward because you create conversation and that is so important to us, sir. Thank you very much. I'm, I really appreciate talking to you. It was a real pleasure. Please come back to the show anytime, Kevin. The door is always going to be open for you. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Nice to talk. Bye-bye. Be brilliant today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.